Good morning, everyone. Welcome to everyone on this Labor Day weekend. I uh, told Susan this morning that uh, it's Labor Day weekend. I expect about a dozen people at church today. Uh, thank you for doubling my uh, expectations. <laughs> we are glad that you are here today and welcome everyone uh, as we have gathered to worship our Lord uh, this morning. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We would like to ask if you would to take those and fill those out. If we wouldn't mind, we would appreciate that. And uh, we have several things, go- have a lot of things going on. Uh, if you look at your bulletin, there are a lot of uh uh, things that are coming up, uh, including our SureWay fundraiser that is coming up on September the 16th and 17th. And I don't know about y'all, but that's one of those things that I keep thinking it's out there. It's a little bit, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not close enough to worry about very much. Well, guess what? It's close enough now, okay? It is time to start thinking about that. That's uh, just a couple of weeks away. And we need to uh, go ahead to, to firm up our numbers because we need to know how much meat to, to purchase and everything. And so please see Mike, and he will get you some tickets to sell, uh, some tickets to buy. And uh, because we really, uh, our, our pre-sales uh, make the, all the difference in the world there. So please purchase some tickets. Please buy some, uh, Please also take some to sell as well. And we need to kind of have an idea by next Sunday, uh, not specifically, but kind of a general idea of how much uh, meat to buy. So if you can get those, uh, those turned in by next Sunday, uh, then we'll have something to go on there. Uh, also coming up, uh, another fundraiser coming up in um, September 30th, I believe, is our Highway 60 yard sale, and we are collecting items to uh, sell for that. You can put it in the children's room back here in this corner, and uh, we'll be selling um, things for our Highway 60 yard sale, and we probably need some volunteers for that as well, so I hope that you'll be available to help with that. Both of these uh, fundraisers help our, our ministry projects here at Community Baptist Church uh, significantly. Uh, we have a kids bash that's coming up on september the 23rd and so please take note of that and bring all the kids uh that evening for a a good time and also uh we have had a successful week of uh registering for our hoops and cheers basketball and cheerleading program and i think we have a plea uh so come uh speak to us sybil We did have a very successful week last week, and we have about 130 children signed up for Hoops and Cheers. Uh, We are still in need of basketball coaches for the fourth and fifth grade. We need four basketball coaches. We need one kindergarten first grade cheer coach and one fourth and fifth grade cheer coach. So please prayerfully consider, if you know a young person, if you've got grandchildren that you think might be willing, we, we need them for one hour of practice during the week and one hour for game on Saturday. Um, if you know any young people or if you're interested yourself, you can talk to me, Mary Rye, Christine Cornelius, or Nora Hobson, and we will get you hooked up to 
coach. You don't need to know a whole lot. We've got a coach's manual that will walk you through just about everything you need to know. So don't be fearful that you don't know how to coach a team because that coach's manual will help you out. So please prayerfully consider that. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're looking forward to another great season this year. And it's good to be here and to share this time with each of you. And so let me invite you now to stand, and if you're able, and uh, let's just spend a moment of uh, greeting one another in the name of the Lord.
Please pray with me. Almighty God, you are a gracious God, clothed in majesty. You are mighty, yet you save us through your mercy. You are an exquisite creator with hands that have carved out the beauty of the earth. You are the author of life, yet you give us so much freedom. You know each of us intimately, and in spite of that, your heart is filled with love for us. You watch over us in our weaknesses and guide us every day. Oh God, we have come here today to intentionally draw near to you and to drink in the promise of eternity. We want to walk with you, O oh God, and we seek your guidance as we learn to be more loving. We know that in your shelter, O oh Lord, we, we are safe to let down our guard and dwell in your truth. You have come for the needy, the poor, the oppressed, the forsaken, the confused, and for those whom society has forgotten or would prefer to, for, to forget. Help us, O oh God, to take up your love for the least of these. Risen Lord, your life renews our hearts from within. Thank you that we carry your promise of forgiveness. We ask for your spirit to fill us today that we may work that you may work through us as we minister to the world and as we share your love with everyone we meet. May we truly live up to the calling that you have placed upon our hearts that we may be the presence of Christ in a world of need. Almighty God, we dedicate our lives to you this day, and we take up our crosses that we may follow you. Amen.
Katie's doing it? Okay, Katie's doing it. One child. Hello. Now, there we go. So I was thinking today that we could sing. How do you guys feel about that? You don't even have to sing. I'm just going to teach you a little song. Because I was kind of in my head this morning, and then Miss Mary messaged me to ask me if I would do the children's sermon. I didn't really have anything to say, so why not sing, right? And there's a, a song that I learned when I was little, like 100 years ago, right? So I was thinking, it's called This is the Day that the Lord Has Made, I'm pretty sure. Do you guys know that song? Yeah. This is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. We will rejoice, we will rejoice and be glad in it. You can move. Stand for offering. i 
Let's give thanks to the Lord. Gracious God, you are the fountain of our living water. You alone relieve the thirst in our lives and bring the peace that passed all understanding. Soften our hearts and give us a humble spirit in our daily work and relationships. Help us to show others the generosity and kindness of Jesus, simply because it is pleasing in your sight. Let our gifts and offerings serve your, serve your purpose in the world, bringing refreshment to a world thirsting for peace and justice. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, 
will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. This is the word of the Lord. That's nice. Get everybody involved, huh? And that's what we're going to talk about. Wherever the Lord leads us, we should go. Some years ago, uh, Time Magazine asked a group of Americans to rate 100 famous events in history. 
as to their significance. And the result of the poll or the results are, are quite amazing. Number one was Columbus's discovery of America. But there were three events that were tied for 14th on that list. There was the discovery of x-rays, the Wright brothers' first flight, and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Now notice that. Jesus' crucifixion was tied for 14th in significance. Do you know what that poll indicates to me? That poll indicates that you and I have not done a very good job of communicating to the world what the meaning of the cross truly is. Someone has said that the heart of the Bible is the gospel. And at the heart of the gospel is the cross. And the heart of the cross is the very love of God. Christian Century carried a story several years ago about a young man named Lou Marshall. Lou, at one time, was a student at Divinity uh, at Yale Divinity School, and he worked in one of New York City's worst slum neighborhoods. His ministry was to uh, to some of the the teenage gang members there in that area, and and in fact, he was instrumental in heading off a potentially bloody rumble that two rival gangs were about to participate in. And it, it was while he was walking home from mediating that dispute that he was attacked by four gang members who resented his interference in gang affairs. Lou Marshall was beaten senseless on the streets of New York City, and he was left there in a pool of his own blood by four young men that he was trying to help. Two days later, he died. At the memorial service attended by members of both of the rival gangs, the gangs whose battle he had headed off, at that memorial service, the Reverend Howard Moody pastor of the Judson Memorial Church in Greenwich Village said that Lou's death is a testimony of our responsibility as human beings and as a city of people to build a place where people can dwell together in peace. Some people will say that the crumbling pavement on which Lou died wasn't worth his life, so full of promise and hope. Others might say that he was foolish to become involved in a way that that was so dangerous. But I believe, he said, that that street has been made more holy because a man's blood was shed there. A man who had the courage to stand there for what he believed was right. Moody went on to say, early Christians believed that because of the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, the world would be a different and better place. Peter wrote, You were ransomed from your futility, from your futile ways, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. My friends, I don't know about you, but I believe that a sacrifice like that deserves a greater ranking than 14th. Don't you think? You see, the cross of Christ is the ultimate symbol that we have 
not only of human cruelty, but also of God's compassion. It is God's most complete act of affirmation of the creatures into whom God breathed God's own spirit. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And so the cross means, first of all, I believe, that God sees sees us as people of incredible value. Wow. You know, it's so easy for us to grow pessimistic about the human race. It's easy for us to see the weaknesses and the barbarities of the human existence. And yet it was for such a people as this that Jesus died. I read a story that came out of World War II about a young captain on a battlefield and he saw a sergeant who had been seriously wounded. And so the captain responded by running out onto the battlefield in the midst of the battle. Uh, Bullets were raging all around him. And he grabbed that sergeant and dragged him back to safety. But as he was dragging that sergeant to safety, the captain himself was struck by a bullet. He later died from his wound. The sergeant, however, made a full recovery. And with time, he went home. And sometime later, the sergeant was invited to dinner at the home of the captain's parents. But he did not make a very good impression. He arrived late. He was intoxicated. He was impolite. And after a beautiful dinner, he hurried on out the door without saying a single word about the captain's act of of bravery in saving his own life. And then after that experience, the mother of the slain captain burst into tears and she said to her husband to think that our son had to die to save a man like that. And it is easy for us to have those same kind of feelings about Christ's death for us. We are not worth it. How could we ever deserve it? A love like that is beyond our comprehension. And yet God seems to think otherwise. Because God demonstrates God's love for us in that while we were still sinners, yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's an old story about a woman who was vacationing in Florida and she discovered she was looking in an art gallery and she discovered a very valuable piece of art that was being sold and so she sent her husband a telegram describing the work of art and informing him of the price and so her husband immediately sent her a telegram back in response whereupon she went directly to the gallery and bought that piece of art taking it home with her she was greeted by her husband who was infuriated. Oh, he was so mad. I wired you specific instructions, he said, that you were not to purchase that piece of art. But she was confused, flabbergasted. She said, I have your telegram right here. She said, read it for yourself. And so he did. And he he learned how important punctuation can be. 
For you see, the telegram read, no price too high. He had intended to say, no, exclamation point, price too high. But instead, the message was read, no price too high. My friends, it is beyond our comprehension that the God of all creation could look at our pitiful, sinful lives and conclude that no price is too high to redeem us from our sin and death. But that is the testimony of the gospel. Indeed, that is the gospel, the good news that comes to each of us, that God sees us as people of incredible value. And does that not say to us also, in the second place, that God sees not only us, our our vital worth, but also sees our potential, our infinite potential? I mean, why else would God go to such trouble? Surely it's not because we're such nice people, you know, though most of us are. But I think that God has more in mind for us than than what we are now. Don't you think? Do you think God has more in mind for us than, than what we are now? I think that God is not finished with us yet. Thank God. God must see in us something very special that we perhaps cannot see for ourselves. I I got a chuckle out of a true story about a very diplomatic young man who arrived unannounced at a certain young lady's house one evening. And she came to the door and her hair was teased out in about about a million different directions. You know, you know the look I'm, I'm talking about here. Uh, her hair looked like she might have accidentally stuck her finger in a light socket. And, and here she was standing at the door, and this young gentleman had come calling. It was an awkward moment. And so there really wasn't anything that she could do about it except to try to make light of the situation. And so she asked good-naturedly, how do you like my hair? And he stood there for a moment, and this is why I say this young man was diplomatic. He stood there for a moment, and then he replied, It looks as if it's about to become something wonderful. (laughs) You know, I have a feeling that that's how God must look at our lives sometimes. Because to look at us sometimes, our lives seem to be a mess. But deep down within us, God must see potential majesty. There was a young Polish girl named Marie Schlandowska. She sat in her classroom um, as her professor said one day, some of you have stars at your fingertips. Those words made a deep impression upon young Marie and Because of that, Marie went on to study science at the Sorbonne in Paris, where she fell in love with one of her teachers, a a man named Pierre Curie. They got married and reached for the stars together. And it was a long and hard way to go. Nobody believed in the work that they were doing. They were laughed at. 
they were almost starved to death. They couldn't afford to pay for their rent, their food. And, and they were just on the verge of admitting that they had failed in their endeavor when they walked into their laboratory one night and they discovered that their evaporation dish, dishes were glowing in the dark. They had discovered a new element, radium, or an element that is used so much in our world today. The stars are at our fingertips, Marie's professor said. And I have a feeling that that God is saying the same thing about each of us today. We may may never achieve greatness in in a worldly sense as the Curies did. But listen to this, folks. We can be so much more than we ever dreamed possible. We can be so much more than we ever dreamed possible. But how do we do that, you may ask? How can we move from where I am to where God wants me to be? Well, the answer to that has to do with taking up a cross. My friends, when we recognize our worth in the eyes of God, and when we understand that we have a great potential within us that has yet to be realized, then we have the power to take up the cross of Jesus Christ and to walk in His footsteps. You know, there's, there's nothing more discouraging than to, to hear a congregation mournfully sing like a funeral dirge, Jesus must... Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? As if the cross were some terrible burden that God places upon us. But you know, if we can continue singing that beautiful song loudly and enthusiastically, we hear those wonderful words, Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for me. How happy are the saints above who once went sorrowing here, but now they taste unmingled love and and joy without a tear. The consecrated cross I'll bear till death shall set me free and then go home, my crown to wear, for there's a crown for me. You may have heard that little parable that tells us that when birds first received their wings, they thought that God was trying to saddle them with some terrible burden. And that's the way it is with the cross. And the fact is that there is a cost to bearing the cross. Nora read that just a moment ago. We need to count the cost of our discipleship. And there is a cost to bearing the cross. It means that you can never look at your life in the same way again. It might mean that you would lose your life. But listen to this. It is the cross that gives our lives wings. For you see, the cross represents us giving our very best to a cause that is greater than ourselves. Bertoldo de Giovanni 
He knew what kind of commitment, what that kind of commitment is all about. You may not be familiar with his name. In his own time, he was an important sculptor. But unfortunately, through the years, through the decades, through the centuries, he is all but forgotten now. Except for the fact that he had one very important student. His name was Michelangelo. Michelangelo was only 14 years old when he came to Bertoldo. But he was already, it was quite apparent that Michelangelo was enormously gifted. Well, Bertoldo knew that gifted people are often tempted to just kind of coast, to kind of phone it in, so to speak, rather than to grow in their, in their gifts. And therefore, he was persistent in instilling, trying to instill within young Michelangelo a desire to give himself completely to his work. And one day he came into his studio and he found Michelangelo just kind of toying with a piece of sculpture that was was way beneath his abilities. And so Bertoldo grabbed a hammer and he stomped across the room and he smashed that piece uh, that worked in tiny pieces and he shouted, Michelangelo, talent is cheap, but dedication is costly. And you know, he was right. Dedication is costly. It cost Matthew his life by a sword in Ethiopia. It cost Mark his life at the hands of a mob in Alexandria. Luke was hanged on an olive tree in Greece. The Apostle Paul, it cost him banishment on the Isle of Patmos. The once doubting Thomas paid the ultimate price on the end of a lance. James the Greater was decapitated in Jerusalem. James the Younger was thrown from the pinnacle of the temple and then then clubbed to death. Bartholomew was flayed alive. Peter was crucified in Rome upside down. Andrew bore witness to Christ right up to the moment of his own death on a cross. Jude was shot with an arrow. So make no mistakes about it, my friends. This gospel that we treasure so deeply was paid for in blood. But that is the secret of its greatness. For you see, talent is cheap. But dedication is costly. And you and I need to hear that message that message of the cross this morning because so often we are tempted to believe that there's another way. Husbands and wives want to have lasting marriages, but they don't want to do it without it costing them their fidelity and their freedom. Parents want to raise Christian children, but they don't don't want to pay the price of setting the kind of example that needs to be set to help children know the Jesus way of living. Church members want a church that is vital and alive in their community, but they want someone else to bear the burden. Each of us in our own individual pursuits want to contribute something lasting in our world, but we want to do it from an armchair with one hand on the TV remote. And it can't be done. 
Jesus once compared the kingdom of God to a pearl of great price. And what he was saying in that parable was that it is indeed worth the price. Indeed, no price too great. My friends, you are of ultimate value to God. And God sees in you infinite potential. But there's only one way to become what God has created you to be. And that is the way of love and commitment and service. It is the way of the cross. It is the way of dedication. It is the way of giving our lives over to the service of God. Just as Christ gave his life for us. Amen. Let's sing together our closing hymn, number 320. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And I think that's what I've been trying to say here this whole time. Because in our lives, you know, it's so easy for us to get distracted by, well, let's face it, folks, all kinds of things. Our lives are so complicated and so busy and we're pulled from this direction and that direction and this direction and that direction and all directions at the same time. And with all of this pulling on our lives, it is so easy for us to take our eyes off the cross. And so we need these reminders to remember what Jesus did for us. He died for us. And we need to remember that. So turn your eyes upon Jesus this morning and remember what He's done for you. Let's sing.
sharing this time of, of worship. And I'd like to introduce a couple of people in case you have not met them. This is James and this is CJ. Uh, and they are, they are, are coming to uh, unite with our church and be a part of our fellowship here and to share in the love of Christ with one another and to include us in their family. And that's what we are. We are family. We are the family of God, and we are the family of Community Baptist Church. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) We celebrate that, and and we we celebrate the ministry uh, that that presents to each of us. And James and CJ, I say this to every person that joins this this church. We are all ministers of God at Community Baptist. No, not free beer. <laughs> but we are, we are all ministers, ministers of Christ in this church. And we are grateful for the ministry that we have for you, and we are grateful for the ministry that you have for us as well. And we look forward to that. I know that you'll want to come and celebrate uh, this decision that they've made to unite with our church and to extend to them the right hand of Christian fellowship and uh, welcome them officially as members of Community Baptist Church. Let us bow for our benediction. This is how you will know the love of Jesus Christ, by accepting it as a free and valued gift. And this is how the world will know that you are a child of Jesus Christ, by the way you love one another, in truth and in deed. Now go in the love of Jesus, taking up the cross that demonstrates his great love for us, and follow him. Amen. Blessings, guys. Thank you.